0: Today's episode of Birds All Day is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. Going on, greetings a good day and welcome back to Birds all day. My name is Drew Fairservice and yes, we're here talking about your Toronto Blue Jays eh, probably. There's not really a lot to talk about specific to your Toronto Blue Jays, the transactions of they were so long ago. I don't even know we have to make them up. We'll have to start talking about the stuff that, that happens on MLB the show, I don't know. But anyway, I don't want to do that. So let me with no further ado, I'm going to bring in the person who joins me and he joins me as always.
1: Uh, Old Reliable.
0: Old Reliable, Mr. Andrew Stoughton. Stoughton, how are you?
1: I am well. I'm well. I mean, I'm better than Chase Anderson and Shun Yamaguchi, who are names of Blue Jays transaction people who you seem to think don't even exist.
0: Well, have they they been transacted within the last nine weeks?
1: No, they have
0: not. Those bulls were transactions that happened. They did. And I don't want to talk about the transactions in MLB this show, because... I bought MLB The Show and I'm playing MLB The Show and my, my player, my person, my player was drafted by the Tigers and then traded to your Toronto Blue Jays. I'm stuck in AAA because I'm really, really bad at the game, but I'm a catcher and it would seem uh, in, in 2021, I'm a personal catcher for none other than uh, Jin Ryu, which is very troubling that he's in AAA <laughs> in 2021, but it's not real. It's a video game. Actually, you know what is real? Our guest this week is about as real as it gets. I was really excited, and I think we had a great chat, and it was so much fun to have him on. Our guest this week is former Blue Jays left-handed pitcher, former opening day starter, and all-star Ricky Romero. We haven't had a lot of players, or any player. We had Larry Walker on, which is hilarious, say out loud. And then we had Ricky Romero on. Players, former players on Birds All Day. Who knew? Former outsiders. Now we're here, inside, in the media. We're the enemy. So I mentioned Ricky Romero's podcast, which uh, we shout out in the segment. Why don't I shout out our own podcast? Of course, this one, Birds All Day. If this is your first time listening, I don't know how that ever could have happened to you, but thank you for listening. If you've been listening all along, I was talking with some friends this, the other day. You and I, Stoughton and as men, in our various forms, we've done this probably five hundred times, at least. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. We've it's been it's this would be our sixth season since we left the score, and we did 50, we did, we've done 50 a year basically for five full years, so that's 250 here, plus we used to do them every day at, the, at that old place for, for a couple of years, it's crazy, hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of podcasts, so if you've been listening for one year, if you started listening in 2015, if you started listening in 2011, if you started reading Drunk Jays fans in 2008 or 7, thank you, if this is your first time you want to subscribe to the show, you can do that at Apple Podcast, at Spotify, and of course you can listen to it directly on the Athletic, which is where this whole thing lives. And if you do don't subscribe to The Athletic, that's okay. You can still subscribe to the podcast. But I will encourage you to visit theathletic.com/slash birdsallday to sign up with a 40% discount. So then you can get all of the content that everybody writes, not just about the blue jays, not just Stoughton writing about uh all, about the blue jays, Gord about Ash, blue jays past and present, But and, and his his muse, his muse Gordash. Uh <laughs> And you can read John Lott and you can read Caitlin McGrath and you can read uh, Blake Murphy about the Raptors. But you can read everyone about everything. You can read Andy McCullough talking about Ken baseball. Rosenthal, you can read, you can Ken Rosenthal. Ken Rosenthal. Jason, Jason Stark.
1: Stark. You can read, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's all there.
0: So go to that website. Go to theathletic.com slash birdsallday and sign up for The Athletic if you haven't already. We'd appreciate it. It makes them think that we're doing a good job. We need you to fool them into thinking that as much as possible. But if you've been listening since back in the day, thank you. And if you're listening since back in the day, you never would have believed that we would have gotten Ricky Romero to come on our podcast, and yet here we are. So why don't we take a break, we go talk to Ricky Romero, we'll talk about the state of baseball here in mid or late May 2020, Uh, so I think we'll do all that, and we'll do so much more on this edition of Birds All Day. We're excited to talk to Ricky Romero, but before, I want to mention that the Black Tux believes every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear a suit or tuxedo for their big day did you know the black tux was actually started by two guys who had one of the worst tuxedo fittings you could imagine it turns out they aren't alone in this frustration just listen to these one star reviews from competitor tux shops that shall not be named go elsewhere this place is pretty terrible unless you're dressing like your grandpa for halloween We felt weird buying a suit from somebody so unhappy. We were afraid that his bad vibes might follow us to our wedding day, so we left. What I love about the Black Tux is that they have an easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Just pick a style at theblacktux.com and request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. And if online isn't your style, the Black Tux has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. From there, they'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check it out one last time. Talk about commitment. Whether you're buying your outfit or looking to rent, you won't find a formal wear experience or designs like the one you'll find at the Black Tux. If you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, order your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy 10% off with code Jays. That's theblacktux.com. Code Jays for 10% off your purchase. The Black Tux, formal wear for the moment. All right, as we mentioned before, it is our pleasure at this time to be joined by uh, Honorary Canadian, Blue Jays (laughs) folk hero, Ricky Romero. Ricky, thanks so much for taking the time and and, uh, and hopping on with us today.
2: Yeah, no, my pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for Uh, having me.
0: No, no, it's our pleasure. and I forgot I left one thing out of your uh, your title, which is podcast host. So <laughs> you've taken the step here to the other side of the line. You are now the the host host of the uh, Let's Go Ricky Row podcast, which is on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts and anywhere that people are going to get. Oh, on YouTube, too, you guys do a video show for that as well.
2: Yeah, we do. We do a YouTube live that was that was kind of the new thing this year with the whole quarantine thing. Mm-hmm. It used to be just the guys would come on the road and we'd go to the hotel and kind of knock it out there. but with all this stuff going on, we kind of got creative and figured we'd bring YouTube live into it.
0: Well, it sounds like you're having a lot of fun. Uh, this week, you had a, a great show with Jose Bautista. You also had Mike Soraka on recently. Uh, so what was really what was your desire to, to kind of take the step and get into the podcast world?
2: Well, once I retired, I, me and uh, my co-host, Beto Duran, have been really, really good friends ever since the one time he he interviewed me in Anaheim. And, you know, we kind of hit it off as like a friendship from there. Mm-hmm. And um, when I retired, he's like, hey, man, you speak really well. People love you. Players love you. We should do it. We should do a podcast. And I was like, yeah, right, dude, like get get the hell out of here. You know, <laughs> I, I just wasn't into it. I was like, "Nah, no, nah, no. Nah. Like he's like, no, man, I'm serious. Like, it, it, let's let's do it. So I was like, all right, you set up everything. And um, the Let's Go Ricky Roll kind of started on my bachelor party We were in Vegas and everyone kind of was just chanting, let's go Ricky Rope, let's go Ricky. (laughs) So it just kind of stuck and we're like, we'll just call the podcast that. And uh, so we took a trip to to Arizona during spring training uh, last year and we rented a house. And a lot of the guys that I know are in spring training there. So that's kind of how it started. We got Scott Richmond, Travis Snyder, uh, Noe Ramirez, a reliever with the Angels, Brandon Morrill, they all came by the house and we just sat there and we knocked out like four or five in one night. So it was just like, all right, I I like this, you know, because I got to hear the journey. And the one thing, and the one thing that I told myself, you know, this podcast is not going to be about me. It's not going to, I still like whenever it's just Beto and I answering questions or stuff like that, I still don't like it just because I want to hear the, 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 the guests that we have. I, I like hearing the journey. I like hearing, you know, everything they've been through and, You know, a lot of people think, you know, they get to the big leagues, you make a lot of money and life is good when, you know, sometimes these guys are suffering on the on the inside. You know, it's just like part of being a human being and, um, you know, everyone has their issues and stuff like that. So it's just interesting to me to hear about these guys' journeys.
0: I think that's really, that's really interesting. I mean, you, you even just look at some of the guys that you've named and, and you include yourself. You, you talk about, yeah, okay, you're a first round pick and you're in the top 10 pick, but like, you know, you're, you're, during, no one's journey to the big leagues this is the same. You talk about Brandon Morrow, a guy who struggled, you know, they rush him to the big leagues and then he's trying to figure out how to throw strikes. And then is he a starter or is he a reliever? Um, if it just feels like that's, there's that kind of fraternity where, where, it's great when you guys can have those kind of conversations that are on the same level because everybody understands no matter how, when it looks easy, it's not easy.
2: Yeah. And I think the, the, the feedback that we've gotten from it is you know, from, from, from kids or young players that have listened to it. Coaches are like, wow, we never under, understood what these guys actually go through and everyone's different path and journey into the big leagues. And, you know, I mean, you you look at a guy like Scott Richmond who was our first episode I mean that story to this day still blows my mind because a lot of this stuff like I'm close to these guys but uh I've never had spoken to them about their actual journey and when you sit there and you listen to it this guy was like cleaning boats and doing this and trying to just get in get a chance anywhere he could and the next thing you know he's in Toronto making his debut so it was just like like I said it's really cool and 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 everyone's different and um, you know, we even had our our uh, the bullpen catcher in Toronto, from the Toronto Blue Jays, Alex uh, uh, Andropolis, and he was tremendous. And to this day, one of my favorite shows.
1: I heard he uh, he had a few too many coffees before the, the home run <laughs> derby. But, <so. laughs> a- yeah, that was that
2: was that was that was that was funny. If you go back and listen to that episode, he explains everything that happened. And Jose that obviously touched on it a little bit and said, "Yeah, did he tell you guys the story?" And I believe he did. And um, I just remember him being so nervous and he's like Ricky where do I go and I'm like bro um it's my first time here I don't know where to fucking go like like relax you know so it was just it was just like uh you're about to go perform in front of like the whole country don't shit the bed <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's that's funny so so y- you, you talk about like, you you know, you're able to go to Arizona where there's guys from all over the league, guys you would have can make uh, contact with. Is that, is, that, is that kind of who you are or is that something that sort of just came about as you sort of grew and mature? I mean, that's the other thing too. You come into the big leagues, you're only – or in, into the minor leagues, you're 21, 22. Sometimes a lot of guys – some guys are younger. Um, 20. <laughs> 20, yeah. Like, so it's building these relationships. Is that something that – seems like it's one of those things you can really take away from the game if you, if, when you invest that time when you're in it.
2: Yeah, I think that's what makes it special. And you know, it's one thing to play in the big leagues; it's a dream come true. But the the biggest thing that you come out of it is the friendships that you make along along the way. Even from from my my college days at Cal State Fullerton to you know the minor leagues to to getting to the big leagues. I mean, you build friendships all along the way. And one of the things I always told myself: just be a good person, no matter what. You know, no matter if success is high, success is low; it doesn't matter. Just be a good person, be a good teammate. And in the end, you know, uh, people have a lot of people slash players will always have, uh, good things to say about you. And I think, uh, it shows, you know, I mean, I have a genuine love for, for all the guys that come on. And, and, and I think that the feeling, the feeling is mutual. I mean, Kevin Pilar surprised me with some stuff. Uh, Aaron Sanchez, same thing. It was just like one of those things where, where, uh, the stuff that they said was just like about me. I was like, "Whoa, you guys are making me choke up right here." You know, <laughs> <laughs> and That's
1: honestly, awesome. it, it's it, it's been just to listen to it. uh it it's been amazing just the way that those guys will open up to you because just because of the level that you're on with them and the the friendship and and just the natural rapport you're able to have. And it, it's uh, uh it I, it's been really valuable, I think, for Jays fans to 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 just hear for example you know bautista in particular because i'm it's fresh in my brain and i listened to, to it today but like you know john lott who works with a colleague of mine at the athletic you know tweeted like you know yeah. I, he hadn't heard him open up like that and and uh and you know and and that's your that's not just that one episode you guys are doing this a lot and, and and i think it's a testament to uh to, you know the relationships you've built and 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 Full credit to you. I don't know. I don't know where. I, oh, I don't have a question at the end of this. I'm just. I- no, no, no. I, no, I,
2: I see what you're saying. No, thank you very much. And and what John Lott said, I mean, he wrote me a nice message on on a direct message, and I was like, whoa, like he's like, hey man, if if this is actually an actual thing you want to follow, you have a lot of you have a bright future. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I've never considered myself part of the media, and then but Beto, my co-host, is like, no, dude, you're there already. You're calling games in minor leagues. From from uh, and and he's like you're 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 media, but you know I think that the biggest thing that these like you said they they connect with me because I some of them I shared a clubhouse with and others you know just being in the minors with them and and the one thing I tell them uh, every time before we start it's always hey um is there anything that's off limits and then they they let me know and and I'm and I'll just say it's about your journey it's about you. It's not about me. I'm not going to sit here and, and ask you a million baseball questions about how you're going to – are you healthy? How are you feeling? How's the team going to be? I don't care about that because we get asked that enough, you know, by mm-hmm. the media and stuff like that. And and I think that's why it's easy when these guys jump on and they're like, whoa, like I, Kevin, uh, Sanchi, Bautista, all those guys are like, dude, like I want to do it again. I want to do it again. And I, to me, that's special. You know, it just says something. It says that – were into it and they have more stories i mean Sanchi's like i could have gone for three more hours man we didn't even hit like a lot of the stuff that that we thought we were going to hit but it's just you get so into some one conversation and and you know whatever the journey is and and you kind of get stuck on that and and it's pretty cool you know like uh bautista i mean we go back to it and and to me it's like dude everyone saw the home run everyone saw the bad flip everyone's seen it a million times i want to know what was thinking From the on-deck circle into the batter's box, what's going through your head? You know, everything that you've studied, you've probably saw a lot of video on Dyson. And sure enough, he goes into detail about it. And I think it's pretty cool how he's like, (laughs) I saw a different arm angle and then boom, I I knew it was it. And then you're just like, holy smoke, so you saw it before anybody did, you know.
1: <laughs> and, he, well, and he and he remembered he remembered every hit bat he'd had against him before, too, which I thought was. Yeah,
2: funny. he did. And I mean and that's why I made it a point to say this guy studies the game that it wasn't just success because obviously, yes, he's talented, but the success came with this homework that he did behind closed doors. And and then obviously you hear the story after the game, how he's riding
0: a scooter, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh yeah. He's a he's a freak. I remember talking to him about uh Facing C. Sabathia, he had struggled through through his career with Sabathia, and he was rattled off all his numbers against the Pathy and what he throws him in different counts. And then he sort of, the next at bat, you know, there's, there's, there's Batista making an adjustment. So, uh and then, and then turning his results around against CC was pretty awesome. But uh, it, it the, the, these relationships is something that something like podcasts that maybe, you know, previous generations of fans wouldn't have had access to. We wouldn't have access to these sort of relationships that as of, of players. I know that, that uh, as fans and, and people who watch the game, we were always like trying to connect the dots and be like, you know, the Blue Jays should definitely go out and get Justin Turner. To me, that sounds like a great idea because he and Ricky Romero are friends. So, like that, <laughs> those are the kind of things that those are the decisions that we make on your behalf. I know, no, no, no pressure. But uh, the other thing, I, I was sort of change gears a little bit. I was thinking about some someone a, a name who's but that's been in, in the news a lot. I know on, on social media you'll see there's a, a hanging jersey in your house uh, you know, talk a little bit about Roy Halladay and your relationship with him and, and just, you know, maybe, maybe not, not always the most knowable guy, especially to the fans, but we're learning more and more about him. And even, you know, the best pitcher in the league, the guy who's so big, looks like he was born to do it. Uh, he has struggles. He has, he has vulnerabilities or had, had them, uh, in his playing day. So what, what was your, you know, what did you just to maybe tell me a little bit about what you learned, uh, watching him, uh, every day for, for the, for the year?
2: Well, I mean, I think, you know, i everyone speaks about his work ethic and all that. And, and I got to see it firsthand. And I'll continue to say it till till, I can't talk anymore. You know, he, he was just one of a kind. And I had a front row seat to it. And it was just learning. I mean, Doc wasn't going to be the guy that was going to come up to you and say, hey, uh, this is what you need to do. Or here, let me guide you. Let me hold your hand. He wasn't going to be that guy. He was going to be like, he was almost the type of guy, just watch me do it and follow. I think Bautista touched on it a little bit yesterday during the podcast. When he came up, that was the model almost of the pitching staff. Work fast, get quick outs, throw strikes. And and it came from him. And I'm sure previous guys to him were just like that. So he had to have learned it somewhere. And that's, that's the value of a veteran presence in a clubhouse, I think. And... uh so I just you know, I just sat there and watched it, watched it, watched it, and just like everyone else, I was a huge, huge fan of it. And 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 you know, when when you when you make the team, you're like, holy smokes, I'm in a rotation with Roy Halliday, one of the best pitchers in baseball. And then you get to see it firsthand and you're like, Wow, I'm actually watching one of the best pitchers in our generation. Mm-hmm. And if not the best. And and it was just unbelievable to see. I mean, it was honestly a thing of art. And and I'm sure you guys can attest to it because you guys I'm sure we're watching the games and just how easy he made it seem. But again, it was the preparation he did behind closed doors that got him ready for those moments. And my relationship with him, you know, about a couple months into the, into the big leagues, uh, maybe halfway through, it kind of started growing and growing. He paid attention, but like, didn't say much. And, and, uh, and it just kind of grew into, you know, somewhat of a relationship. I mean, we exchanged numbers and, 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 you know, which was a big deal. I'm sure not a lot of people had his phone number. Uh, but I never bugged him or anything like that. And and um once it started growing, we kind of started having rela- uh conversations about pitching and when I was struggling, when he hit a bad bad stretch and I hit a bad stretch, we were there for each other. And then um and then yeah, and then when we knew he was, you know, it was his last year, I remember going out and grabbing a beer with him. In Baltimore I believe was our last series in 2009 and we just sat there and and everyone talked and you know he invited a few guys and we just kind of sat there and talked I even like said hey man if you really like want to come back like please come back and I guarantee you I won't let you down next year (laughs) I tried I tried (laughs) I tried but you know I mean I think he knew it was time obviously you know they they had tried to build teams around him and and things didn't work out and uh, you know, I think when they signed Bernard and they brought in, you know, Banji and Troy Gloss, that was my first big league camp. You know, there was mm-hmm. big names everywhere. And, uh, you know, it, obviously it didn't work out. But, um, you know, after he left, obviously he had tremendous success in Philadelphia. And I remember having a conversation with him when he was struggling and I was struggling. That's a conversation that I'll remember forever when we were staying at the same hotel, uh, playing against, we were playing the Yankees, they were playing the Mets and. That was pretty cool to kind of share that moment with him.
0: That's awesome. There's a lot to um, to learn about that mental toughness, and I and I wonder the, the the first and well, the last time that I actually spoke to you, I don't expect you to remember this, but I did a story just about the grind of the season. I talked to you, and I talked to Jason Fraser. It might have been at the end of like 2000. And eleven or twelve, um, you know, I, I don't even know if you uh, you've spoken about this other times, but the you didn't understand even know how bad your knees were and things at that at that side. Where mm-hmm. where do you find that balance between like having that you know you want you want to work hard you know you got to go you got to take the ball, but at the same time there's something nagging you like yo my this is I'm not right my legs my knees I'm not I'm really struggling like how how what was that kind of that balance you, like you
2: you know, you know I think it was just I didn't understand. How should I say this? I didn't understand. I just kind of, I wanted to go out there and pitch and, Mm -hmm. and I feel like that was, I was, I was getting paid to do that. And to me, any chance I got to take the ball, it was like a dream come true. Like I said, I was living a dream and, and, and I knew, and I knew just like, Hey, you, you better chop my legs off if you don't want me to go out there kind of type of attitude, which obviously looking back at it, wasn't the smartest thing to do. But at the time, obviously As you guys remember, that that year we we lost pretty much our ninety percent of our rotation. It felt like you know every guy that came up or the guys that were on there, they all get hurt, and then you know we. I did. I did a really great
1: uh, Photoshop. I feel. Uh.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah, every guy that kept you know it was just like so many the 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 shuffling of it was crazy, and I was like, you know what, I wanna, I wanna. I want to stick this out i want to be the guy that kind of says like i was able to survive this 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 miserable year and um obviously you know things didn't work out and you know as i've spoken about it many other times it was just like obviously not the smartest decision And next thing you know i I go get checked out and it's like hey how the hell are you walking you know (laughs) it was one of those it was one of those things where it's like you know what but i like i said i I never wanted to make excuses either. Mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of get out of this, that hole, you know, I was in a bad hole and I was like, I'm better this, better than this. And, and I know I'm better than this. And, you know, looking back at it, I think I put such a great emphasis on what was going on and the numbers. And, and you hear it constantly from the media and the walks and this and that. And then I look back and I'm like, shoot, I almost threw 200 innings, like 180 innings is a lot nowadays. Like, I, oh, yeah. I almost, I drew mm-hmm. close to that and, and I was hurt and, and which, you know, I was like, I should have just not gotten so mentally like caught up in that. And I think it was just like, you know, a combination of everything being hurt mentally, physically, and you're just like, man, I'm drained. And I just couldn't recover back from that.
0: So we were we were talking off uh, off before we started recording, and I yeah. there's a line in um, in Pulp Fiction that like my girlfriend's a vegetarian that pretty much makes me a vegetarian, and I was going <laughs> to ask you so 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 your wife uh, your wife is a, is not only a, a former Canadian international uh, soccer player uh, but she's a vegan. And yeah. I asked you if you're a vegan and you said you're not, but you also said that uh, something that I found really interesting. And I wonder about, you know, obviously with the benefit of hindsight, but like the ability to to learn about eating better and eating cleaner and taking better care of your body. If you had knew then what you know now, I wonder if, how, if things might be a little bit different.
2: Probably. Yeah. I mean, you, I think it's, I think it's the new norm. You see it with a lot of uh, professional teams, not just baseball, but everywhere you see all these guys like, you know, they hire their own chefs they have uh they eat clean and stuff like that and I feel like it was stuff that we didn't know uh a few years ago but you know for the most part here at home right now i mean I eat pretty plant-based other than you know when i go visit my mom or whatever I'm like hey I need a plate of Mexican food and hey just i'm going all out but yeah. I, you know I keep i keep a balance and 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 I come home and I'm like all right I'll go get back to my routine and and do what i do and my wife is, I mean, she's tremendous about, you know, making sure we have the right stuff in front of us, including our, our two boys. And, um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, she's, she's a great cook and, and, and she understands everything about it. So I feel like, yeah, a lot of the stuff I wish I knew back in the day. And, you know, instead of, you know, eating chicken wings and fries and pizza, even though all that stuff is good, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you know, at the end, you know, when, when you're trying to, get this machine to be working at, at full strength every time, um, you know, you learn that certain foods and stuff cause inflammation in your body. And, and maybe that, that's what was preventing, you know, the, not the quick recovery when I was younger, you know, you eat whatever you want and you're just like the next day you're like, Oh yeah, I feel great. You know, I think, uh, who's, talking about Mike uh, Soroka was speak, talking like yeah after I work out I have chicken wings and fries and I'm like whoa those were the days you know <laughs> you know so so it's just it's just like I said it's when you're young you're able to do do stuff like that the, the older you get obviously you start kind of looking in the mirror you're like all right I gotta do something to feel better about myself I'm not playing anymore but I still want to stay in shape and I want to and 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 set a good example for my kids most of all
0: of course, uh, your wife, I mentioned Cara Lang Ram- uh, Romero uh, as a uh, Canadian and also you talk about feeling bad for yourself. You should try following the two of you on Instagram when you're running up the hills in the goddamn middle of the morning and eating all these cool shakes. I'm like lying on the couch doing this. I'm like, look at these two. They- I'm older than they are. They're killing me. They're just totally embarrassing me right now. I need to get up and do something.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, she like I said, it, we, we, we do a pretty good job. I, I try and stay in line as much as I can and then sometimes I'm like, hey, Listen, I just kind of—I'm just gonna order like, you know, I just want um, some chicken on top of my rice, and I just—I'm craving it right now. Just mm-hmm. let me live. And she's she's good. She's like, hey, you do you, and I know you've been so good and kind of stayed in line, and and uh, and and <laughs> and just go ahead and and, and do what you got to do.
0: She's grinding you down. That's what you're saying. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> slowly but surely.
1: <laughs> it reminds me a bit of a Doc thing, right? Like we used to work, Drew and I used to work with Chief, who was a clubby. I don't know if you oh, yeah, yeah. are familiar yeah, with Chief. Yeah, of course. Chief, of course. Darren. Amazing. Uh and and I don't know I don't know if it came from him. I doubt it. He would never say any stories about anything. But uh, <laughs> but but the idea that that uh that doc, I think especially in the like when Burnett showed up, it would be like people trying to keep up with him. The young pitchers were like, We're gonna we're gonna work out with him. We're gonna like run, run with him every morning at four thirty a.m. or wherever he showed up. And I think the that chief story was basically like, you know, just like just dropping like flies. All these nobody could keep up with him. Yeah, Uh, I never,
0: I never, I never. After that, no, I never, I never
2: even like dared to like even jump (laughs) in. I wasn't. I was trying to kind of just stay to myself and and kind of just be like, hey, I'm just here. I'm learning. I'm gonna do my thing and. Because he he was so, like, focused even on that. And they used to do uh, 300-yard shuttles every spring training. Uh, And I remember, like, nobody, no, you couldn't, if you wanted to beat him, you couldn't beat him because he would give you the look, like, don't pass me. You know, (laughs) so you kind of have to, like, kind of just, like stay in your ground and kind of all right I'm just going to glide through this all right doc you win you know <laughs> could you could you <laughs> so, beat,
1: could you beat him if you
2: if I, didn't no I look? mean he was in really he was actually he was actually he was in really good shape man I mean like it wasn't like he was going slow or anything cuz he was so competitive as, as hell mm. and um you know I he he did beat everyone fair and square I mean I think guys tried keeping up with them but he was just like He's just on another level, and you know I think the biggest thing about Doc is you never realize how big he is. Too, you actually have him in front of you. Uh, you see him on TV and and stuff like that. But the like the first time he came up to me was when I was went up there in two thousand and five to sign, and I remember he ran after BP. He ran towards me and my family and said, "Congratulations, yada yada yada." And I looked up at this giant, and I'm like, "Holy smokes, that's Roy <laughs> Halladay," and and. And the next thing you know, I have him as a teammate, and then you start seeing him every day, and you're like, wow, this guy is just built differently. Like, his body, he's tall and just, you know, had a good pitcher's body, and you just could just see, like, wow, like, this guy just, you know, the way he uses his body, all the energy he uses, he uses it right. I mean, a lot of people like to say that he had, you know, some of the best mechanics in baseball because he was so quiet and everything was just, like, so, like, compact and then explosive. And... I mean it was it was it was a thing it was a thing of like beauty to watch like I said every fifth day.
0: So I mentioned uh you know, you you played here for the Blue Jays for your entire big league career. You have uh, married a Canadian. You so you are an honorary Canadian. You've also, I guess, you were also calling some uh, some Vancouver Canadians games as well. What what tell tell us? This is the part where I need you to to praise us. Tell us what you love about Canada. This is the oh, part now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you don't even need to ask me, man. I like I, I honestly love everything about it, and the more I get. Um, the more I come back, the more I love it even more. I was telling my wife the other day and some of the people in Toronto, a lot of, some of the friends I have up there, I miss it so much right now during this time, because it becomes some part of my routine now that I'm retired and I come back for alumni events throughout the season, it's become part of my routine to have already been there, you know, three, four times by, by, by now, you know, and I just, everything about it, everything from doing the winter tours, you know from being in Calgary and, and and being in Ottawa and being in different places and just seeing all the love that you get in outside of Toronto. To me it's special. I think this past year we did uh we were doing the those uh Blue Jay baseball camps that that they run throughout the summer and we were in uh in Calgary, I think. Yeah, we were in Calgary. And JP and I were walking through the airport and some somebody was wearing a Blue Jays hat and I was like, man, like I never realized how big the Toronto Blue Jays are in this country, like, you know, because obviously we're stuck in Toronto. All we know is Toronto, 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 Toronto. And yeah, we'd go do the winter tours, this and that, but you're in and out. But now being able to spend, you know, three, four days in these cities, you're like, wow, like, this is so cool. Everywhere you go, every restaurant you go, there's the Blue Jay game, everywhere you go. And I just never realized the impact that we really had. I mean, I knew at the time, yeah, it was, we were playing for, we were the only team in the big leagues playing for one country. But
1: I mean, they tell the you, they impact. tell you, to, they tell you that they make sure They make sure that's clear.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but, but I, 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 I understood it, but I don't think I ever felt it like mm-hmm. the way I feel it now, where it's like, wow, even like walking into a game, you know, when the chances that I've gotten to go into a game as a spectator, the party that goes on outside, I'm like, Holy shit, this is really cool. Like we never got to see this. Obviously, you're getting ready for a game, but you're like, man, everyone's having a beer, everyone's having dinner, and just, you know, it's a party. And I mean, and I'll tell you what, Canadians know how to party. They know how to drink. And and it's just it's a, like I said, it's really cool. Like it was it's just the, the the atmosphere that that they built is just really cool. And I can just imagine how it was, you know, I talked to Bautista about it, like during those years where where they came close to to going to the World Series and all that stuff. Like I can't even imagine. I, I got to feel it, you know, during opening day, pitching in Canada Day, like the pack stadium. I can imagine having it for the full year.
0: That's awesome. Well, you, you passed the test. You, you now are officially a, a, an honorary Canadian citizen if you oh, are not already, if you're working towards it. It. Yes. To it, the passport's in the mail. <laughs> uh, Ricky, we don't want to take too much more of your time. Uh, thank you so much for for coming on and congratulations on the success and having such a good time being able to connect with, uh, with former players and, and and guys, you know, on your show, uh, which is of course called let's go Ricky row. You can grab it anywhere. You get podcasts, uh, Apple podcasts and Spotify and everywhere like that and YouTube live. Uh, Anything else you want people to know, Ricky? Anything else they can get you?
2: No, I mean, yeah, you you, you hit it on the money right there. If, <laughs> you know, any, anyone who uh, who wants to subscribe, it's called the Let's Go Ricky Roll Podcast with Beto Luran. It's on uh, Spotify, iTunes, and you know, you know what, guys, I enjoyed it. And anytime you guys uh, need a. Washed up baseball player, just let me know and I'll join you guys for another conversation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> washed up? How dare you? How dare you say that? That
2: hurts.
0: That hurts. Like I've gotten into fights on Twitter for people saying worse about Ricky Romero. Let me tell you.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. But in all seriousness, like if you guys ever, I'm up for for another one of these conversations. Like any chance uh, that I get to we talk will about hold baseball,
1: we'll hold you. In. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for
2: Sure. Let me let me know. Let me know for sure. Amazing. All right. Thank
0: you, thank you so much, Ricky Romero. Everybody, thank you. We'll get right back to a little bit more birds all day, but before, did you know that so many of us are walking around everyday life chronically dehydrated? We're suffering needlessly from frequent headaches, energy slumps, and poor focus. It doesn't have to be this way. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, Potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrate and Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan and you can choose between 3 different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com slash theathletic. That's drinkhydrant.com slash theathletic for 25% off your first order. One more time, that's drinkhydrant.com slash theathletic. All right, that was awesome. Thank you so much to Ricky Romero for taking the time to, uh, to hook up with us. Uh, what a cool guy. I definitely going to take him up on his offer to have him on again. Because uh there's a bunch of stuff that he's, I he's
1: made a terrible mistake.
0: He well, has I made a terrible come mistake. Back
1: that much.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's uh I'm gonna go for like a super dated reference. He's gonna be like the Tony Randall uh to our David Letterman. <laughs> maybe maybe he can be our Jay Thomas then instead of our Tony Randall. So we can just bring Ricky Romero in for Christmas. So we we can bring Ricky Romero, he can throw a football at a pizza on the top of the tree. Uh bless. Bless Jay it Thomas.
1: Like add the sock. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, the tree toss. That, that's a that's a cool tradition unto itself. Like, the, the people, those the good people of much music back in the day deserve a lot of credit. I was talking about this at a at a family like with family on like a call or whatever about how our kids will never understand the value, the impact of music videos, and not just like being able to pull it up whenever you want to watch it. Like having to play music video roulette and be like well, sit through something bad or learn about something cool because it just sort of happened in front of your face. Because
1: um, there was nothing better to do, <laughs> yeah.
0: Let me just tell you crazy. about the amount of time I used to spend watching Much Music. I, I remember. Oh,
1: well, they don't even—they
0: won't even understand my kids in particular. We don't—we haven't had cable for the, their entire lives, so like, but like the the thing that maybe I'm wrongly nostalgic for, but like flipping channels, like going from whatever, and then it's a commercial, then you go somewhere else. And I used always used to like whatever I was watching, I would go to Much Music, and then I would go back to something else, and I would come back to Much Music just to see what video was on. It's just how it was that's how i watched tv if i was watching it's kind of it, it, it's kind of
1: like twitter like though it's kind of like just going to keep scrolling eventually we'll get to the end of this like cycle of channels no
0: that's 100% accurate it's that's like, very no,
1: true no you will never you'll you're chasing the dragon
0: well it's like that's this, the people talk about second screen experiences where when you were flipping channels everything was a second screen it was just like whatever you were primarily watching and then what you would go to during the, during the commercial breaks. But anyway, that's enough old guy stuff for now. Now on to Steven Seagal movies. Uh, <laughs> all of them 100% cancelled. I, I wouldn't even dare to watch them now. But I do really want to watch First Blood, man. First Blood is such a good movie.
1: I but mean, I, that's not a Steven Seagal movie.
0: No, it's so, not. But you, yeah. in a, I don't know if it, anyone ever going to hear it, but you lumped them, rudely lumped them in together. Rudely. It's like comparing a, I don't know what the modern equivalent is. Anyway, let's talk about baseball, sort of. Here on the Pinko Kami Baseball Hour, we hope they never play again. (laughs) I hate baseball, frankly. Why do you
1: think I'm being silent after you've tried to accuse me? J'accuse, Steven Seagal (laughs) fan. (laughs) <laughs> and also Rambo fan, apparently, is what you've done
0: here. Go and watch First Blood. <laughs> Don't fuck with me. Now, one thing I think I mentioned at the beginning of the show, us kind of growing and have been having done this for so long. One thing I like to think that we've gotten away from, which I would never, would never deny that we were bad for at the beginning, which was like beating up on straw men. Like picking rando losers off the internet and taking their horrible opinions and, and then mocking them but there's this on there's this thing going right now where you see that the about the pandemic and about whether or not it's going to be safe and appropriate for 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 sports to come back and there's this ongoing belief that like if you don't want the players or the game to come back at all costs you somehow hate baseball and there's this belief that like somehow sports writers who are like they really should be smart about coming back if they voice an opinion uh, consistent with that it's because they they hate sports which is this, just so stupid and such a simple reduction of what is an obviously incredibly complex undertaking with a million moving pieces and so many uh, 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 just opportunities to fall apart. It's going to be held together uh, really, really uh, delicately whenever it does happen. And it sounds like it's getting close. Now, there was the talk I guess before of the of the league sending a, a, what turned out to be a 67-page document about about health restrictions and doing things that to keep the players safe and uh, avoiding having the players shower, uh, you know, in the in the, cha- in the clubhouse and and no spitting and maybe they're not going to sit close together in the in the dugout and no high fives and all that sort of stuff, which is going to be uh, really difficult for them. And it was interesting that Mike Trout of all people, Mike Trout, of the. Uh, what are they called? Los Angeles Angels. Is that what they call them? California Angels, Anaheim Angels. Mike Trout is best player uh, to what's the uh, ever play the game. Not known for a, for being a loquacious, not a, not exactly a guy you go to when you need a good quote. But he had some, I think, pretty thoughtful things. I mean, he's entering that stage of his career now where he's like older and established as the best player uh, in the world, who's won two MVPs and finished like second. Every other time, but he's like, you know, he talked about it's going to be weird. How any baseball is better than no baseball, but it's going to be a challenge. Uh, so he he went on. I, I mean, I don't know. I know that um, that Craig Calcaterra of, uh, of of NBC Sports broke down that that even if they're able to get together on the uh, health restrictions and everybody sort of on the uh, agreed and is going to do what's best for as many of the people involved as they can be, while there's still the questions that are up in the air about people whose immunity is compromised, people who are at risk, there's still a ton of financial questions to be answered uh, because this is almost serving as like a stand-in for the CBA negotiation, which is supposed to be coming up next year. So I I don't know. I mean, all this is going on at the same time as the Rays saying they're going to open their facility to their players to come and work out. Of course, they do there's nobody who works there because they furloughed all of the staff. But so the players are looking to come back the yankees are talking about obviously they're not going to do anything in yankee stadium they're going to keep them um in their in their uh their facility in tampa so i don't know the it's, the wheels are in motion but like it just it still feels far away and the financial piece of it and the and the owners you know using leverage which we talked a lot about last week so thanks to everybody about that that had nice things to say about the way that we managed to to turn our pinko Communist Baseball Hour into a into a something that's interesting as a as a <laughs> podcast. Uh, it's it's you know I don't know what we said then is still true now and and it it is it's nuanced. I think that's the thing that it's it's not cut and dry and it's uh, it's going to take it's going to take a lot of people to to come to a lot of agreements and put themselves into positions where maybe they're not comfortable. I think and that's that's the thing that we need to appreciate from the outside a little bit.
1: I mean, but I still think it's maybe cut and dry because you know. who's siding with the owners on this point right
0: like i i, <laughs> I don't know no who, we we know who's signing with the owners the same people that always are going to side with the owners the owners and the league are doing exactly what they've always done they are manipulating the story through um through media which is to say that they're not
1: exactly i
0: mean it, it's they're they 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 like to to let go of these sort of soft stories and soft leaks and things that are meant to put the players in a bad light, things that are meant to remove what little leverage the players have. Uh, And it's uh, really obvious
1: when they do that and that they do that.
0: It's obvious to those who are a paying attention, be ready to look at it in this way. Right, because if you if you're not receptive to that message, if you're not open to the idea that that these that the league or whomever these, these power brokers within the league that are that are massaging these messages through friendly media sources or or, or, or sources and, and relationships they have with people in the media over time, uh, uh, it all sounds like like tinfoil hat bullshit. If if you if you are just like, why can't these two groups of rich people get it together and play? when someone's like well the league is, is doing this to remove leverage from the players it it sounds like it sounds like nonsense if you if you are already disinclined to to view it something that is in your mind black and white but in in our mind and probably in reality has a lot more shades of gray or is or is black and white in the, in the opposite way as you said like it's maybe it's not cut and dried it seems pretty obvious that that, that there's an attempt to, to to turn the screw a little bit to have that sort of Guaranteed revenue, and and to to not lose money on what is a, a toy for some people, but it's going to get. Well, but done. I think that, but I but I think I think that's like
1: a deliberate attempt. You know, I think that that the only honest way you can talk about it or think about it or try to you know present it to other people is to acknowledge that, like there, you know, there is. There's gamesmanship going on between these two sides, and this is like this is what it is.
0: And and it's just uh it's tough. Again, because again, the the as we said last week, in this case, the players aren't sympathetic because we know that Mike Trout makes like four thirty four million $34 million a year. Whether or not we're doing the math on the or or even the fact that the players who are making the minimum, whose lives are are not as easy as the players who are making, well, not as easy on the outside as the players who are not, making it. Not
1: very easy at all. They're, They're not really easy really at all, really and that's hard.
0: exactly what we talked with Ricky Romero about. We talked about, uh, we talked about all the the guys who who we think have it all, but who have put themselves under incredible pressure, who feel incredible pressure to put their lives and their and their bodies at risk because you know it, Ricky himself said it. Like I'm getting paid to do a job. I'm going to go do it to the point that doctors are asking him how he can even walk. And this was a guy who's I don't even know how how old he is. He's he's got to be you know younger than he's younger than each of us, and he was facing oh, no.
1: Oh, is he younger than?
0: Oh, he he, is. But he's oh. like facing the pro, he was you know facing the prospect of, of maybe not <laughs> he's even so
1: wise. But uh, he is so wise. Right. But like yeah. not even
0: having kids and then thinking like I'm not even going to be able to play with my kids when I'm older because I'm going to be fucking hobbled or you know uh, the the Roy Holiday thing that we talked about last week with Todd Zalecki and and the Roy Holiday story that's becoming more and more widely known about. The 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 mental health issues that plagued him that you see him and you see the steely exterior those things all matter and there's no amount of money that's going to take that away and there's no amount of money that's going to, that makes putting your life your very short career at risk putting your health at risk as we still learn every day about the different complications and the different uh, uh, side effects of 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 the of the novel coronavirus of COVID 19 of the of the, the long term physical maladies that it's going to present where yeah this person didn't die and they've quote-unquote recovered but what's their future health going to be like we still don't know those, these questions and the place where they play baseball as we've said a hundred a hundred times every time for the last however many nine or ten weeks the place where they play baseball is not in a good place it's not healthy right now there's a there's it's still one of the worst places in the world for COVID-19 infections. It's got more dead bodies than anywhere in the world. The testing is not up to snuff. The tracking is not up to snuff. And now we're just sort of like barreling ahead into this because that's what we want to do because there's a lot to lose. And, you know, it's people are sick of being locked in their house and they're sick of watching the same shit all, all over and over. And the last dance is over. So people who are really into selling Nike sneakers have no reason to live anymore. So I, I don't even know it's well, just
1: no the, the Tom Brady one's gonna happen though so that's fine
0: yeah but not for like another year but I'm sure that I'm sure this will all be licked by then anyway everybody remembers Tom Brady so everybody remembers true. the Bulls and I and I think that there are a lot of people like our producer Tyler who did not know anything about them and I think he's he's come a long way oh I thought
1: you were gonna say he didn't think Tom Brady sucks but you know cool people think Tom Brady sucks no
0: cool people know that Carl Malone sucks. Carl Malone, who was not interviewed for The Last Dance, and I think it's probably because he's done a, hor- a whole host of horrific shit.
1: That's 100% why, yeah.
0: And also, he's trash and the most overrated player in NBA history. I said that the, someone's going to end up in an uncomfortable decision or in an uncomfortable place, and I think that the players, while while on this show or people who are trying to look at things in a maybe more objective way as opposed to, um, uh, I'm making a different differentiation between you know between owners and players and billionaires and, and and millionaires and 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 labor and management whatever. There's a lot to lose because the longer pro sports stay away, as soon as if say pro sports stay away, but people are allowed to like get out and now that the weather is nicer in more parts of North America, maybe like enjoy their lives, maybe they are, for example, riding their bike through the through the, the, the trails of Peterborough. Maybe they've been like, what have I been doing with all my life? Maybe, Staring. Maybe, at the they, TV. Maybe, their,
1: maybe their phone went fucking sprawling <laughs> on
0: the pavement. nonetheless. They are going to want – there's a lot of urgency, and we're hearing not only with baseball, that we're hearing urgency even of the NBA trying to like cobble the season back together, even about uh, the NHL doing some goofy tournament and all this other stuff. It's going to happen whether we are ready or not. The hope is that they can do it safely. The hope is that they can do it equitably. The hope is that they can they can negotiate <laughs> in good faith and get this thing happening. You're
1: talking about the NHL's goofy tournament right now, right? Dude. I hope they can do it safely and equitably.
0: Look, that the, for NHL that ship sailed <laughs> like years ago. Years ago. But I we look, we we want baseball back whether or not you are sympathetic to the to the to the positions of the players who are worried about their health, who are worried about the weird I mean there's a lot of change but I I'm not so worried if Mike Trout's like we're not going to be able to be in the clubhouse. Like who fucking cares about that? Or no spitting, this is an outrage, but we want baseball back. We want it to be done safely. Who knows? There's still a lot of work to do. It looks like at least the again the gears are turning. But I feel like I've said that like six weeks in a row. Like we might be getting closer. But the fact I think the fact that there hasn't been a lot of headway made in uh, the other than just the opening society uh, by force of will as opposed to reason. Um, there's not. There's no more reason for me to be enthusiastic about the season coming back than there was six seven eight nine weeks ago I think it's time for us to get out of here I think that time was many moons ago but here we are but now we're going to wrap it up Stoughton I know you have something you're very excited about coming dropping tomorrow tell us about your muse a little bit
1: you mean Gordash? Gord Ash
0: the absolute dude
1: <laughs> oh I felt bad I felt bad I'm not going to lie, uh, <laughs> but no, we, uh, it turns out that during these trying times, <laughs> it has been valuable for me and I think for people who are reading uh, to just to appreciate history. I've 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 really delved into like newspaper archives about all these like the whole history of of the Toronto Blue Jays, and it turns out that Gordash uh, it's just it's just fascinating, and not it like a lot of like a lot of what happened to him is not his fault, but he's also fascinating and also maybe not as great at being the the. <laughs> I don't know. You know, you know. Don't give it all uh, away.
0: This, that's, I well, I'm clearly
1: not going to do that.
0: You're not. Yeah. By the time people hear this, you'll be able to go to The Athletic and read it. If you aren't a subscriber, you should do that. If you want to subscribe to this podcast, if you're, you can. If, you
1: are Gord, if you're a Gordash, you should not do that. If you're you
0: Gordash, give Stoughton a call. <laughs> if you're Gordash and you're listening to this right now, come on. Come on. We want to hear your context. We want to understand parts of the of of the our understanding of your era that we may be missing <laughs> we're seeking to understand so of course if you're listening to this holler at me you can find me on twitter at drew groff you can find him on twitter at andrew stoughton you can subscribe to the podcast all around all the podcast places stitcher overcast apple Podcasts, spotify you can follow us on facebook if you ever felt compelled to do that uh facebook.com slash birds all day that's it for this edition of birds all day we will talk to you next time.